The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily express those held by this station or its advertisers and are strictly the opinions held by those contributing to the show. Welcome to the Eric Little High School Football Podcast, your home for news, discussion, and opinions about high school football in the Mid-Ohio Valley. And now, here's your host, Eric Little. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. This is episode two of season five, and this is a podcast about high school football in the Mid-Ohio Valley, West Virginia and Ohio. Glad to have you back with us once again this week. Like us if you have it on Facebook at the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. You can download new episodes every Wednesday on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe if you'd like as well, and those will come right wherever you hear your podcasts. We have a lot to get to this week. We've got some preseason preview series sound. We'll go between the hash marks and take a look at the top five storylines to watch this season and Terry Malone makes his season debut as uh, he tells us about the OVAC All-Star Game that he covered a few weeks ago and he talks about some statewide news and notes going into the season. Lots to get to so we'll get right to it today. Among the places I visited, uh, you heard from Parkersburg South Head Coach Nate Tanner last week. We'll hear from some coaches this week and then you'll hear from the rest next week. Among the places I visited in the preseason preview series, stopped by St. Mary's High School and Head Coach Jody Moda is optimistic about this season. They've got a lot returning in the backfield. They're motivated after falling just short of the playoffs last year despite a 6-4 and four record. They had some issues with the red zone, some issues with unfinished drives and Moat says fixing those mistakes has been a motivating factor for this year. Obviously I think every year you know you go in trying to try to correct the mistakes uh, things that like you said the, the things you uh, learned from the previous year and try to try to be better and uh, you do that during the season and obviously uh, you know as you go into a new season so probably from a coach's standpoint you know penalties and turnovers uh, you know two things you know that I want to try to, to, to emphasize and uh, hopefully we'll be able to improve on that. That's St. Mary's head coach Jody Modi also says they're preparing Luke Powell to return a quarterback, but they've got quarterback depth at all four classes and lots of offensive weapons at their disposal. We start with Luke, a quarterback, and then, uh, you know, Chance Cox, a tight end. Um, and then Jerry Ramsey, who uh, came here from Ripley, and then uh, Josh Roush, who we, came la- who, who we had last year. Um, so obviously those are those are uh, guys that from the side you know that, that you're looking into, and then Brady Aller, he's um, he's done well catching the ball. So um, I'm sure I'll forget somebody, but, uh, yeah. but those are ones that that are you know when you, when you call your A group. You know, to go out there, there's the guys that go out there as far as your skill position goes on offense. That's St. Mary's head coach Jody Moat. Another school just outside of the playoffs last year and looking in was Tyler Consolidated. And now they've got to replace a quarterback this year as Trenton Huffman has transferred from Tyler Consolidated to Doddridge County. So a quarterback derby underway in Kidwell. Head coach Ryan Walton talked about who he's got in the running to be under center this year. Brady Strode, he's a sophomore. He's come a long way. Uh, you know, this summer in our inner squad scrimmages that we did, uh, you know, he, he did a good job throwing the ball downfield, was pretty accurate getting the ball downfield, and we're looking forward to being able to use that this year. And uh, Jaden Helmick, he's, he's an athlete. Uh, you know, he plays baseball, you know, real good baseball, good athlete. Uh, got some nice speed. Uh, he's going to be taking some snaps too also. That's Tyler Consolidated Head Coach Ryan Walton. Their opponent in Week 1, the Ritchie County Rebels. They'll welcome the defending state champions to Tyler Consolidated High School in Week 1. The Rebels lost some key pieces on offense from last year's team, most notably two-time LKC Player of the Year Gus Morrison, but in part to replace him in the backfield they'll move Morgan Knight, who was on the offensive line last year. That means that Knight, who would have been the only returning starter on the offensive line, now leaves that group. So without any returning starters on the offensive 
line. Ritchie County head coach Rick Hot knows they'll have to exercise some patience with that group up front. We're going to be pretty young. Um, we're, to, uh, we're going to have sophomores and juniors, and, and that's a work in progress. And, and every kid that's uh, working with the line, they're, they're getting an opportunity to show that they deserve to be one of those. And so, you know, we're moving people from different places. So we're really unsettled at that point. And, and we've realized that early on, we're going to have to try to be patient with that group because they've just hadn't had a lot of reps. That's Ritchie County head coach Rick Hott. The team Ritchie County defeated in that state championship game last December, Williamstown. The Yellow Jackets enter camp with Max Melissa and Ricky Allen returning in the backfield to anchor the offense and a lot of experience up front. But for Williamstown head coach Chris Beck, the loss in the state championship game last year was both a motivator coming into this season and an opportunity to reassess the program's overall goals. To work that hard and come that close and end up short, I think it's always motivation going into the next year. Uh, but a lot of that, you know, um, I, I'm putting on me too because I think when we've done these in the past and I've done interviews in the past, you know, the standard at Williamstown, we want to play on Wheeling Island first week of December. I think I've said that over and over again. That's always the expectation for us. But, I mean, that's set, we did that. So, really, that's not the right goal. We need to win. We need to win. Uh, in our history in Williamstown football, we're two and seven championship games. Um, so, we've got to change. We've got to move that goalpost a little bit. And for us, that means not just playing on Wheeling Island that first week in December, but winning. That's Williamstown head coach Chris Beck. Peyton City is a program that has been rebuilding in the last several years. Head coach Robert Price begins year two there with a lot of optimism. Last year, the Wildcats won two games in a season they were able to complete after playing just two games in the 2020 year during COVID. Price says the hope for this year is to level up those goals rather than just competing in games. They want to compete to get more wins. However, the wins and losses are not the only indicator of success for this Peyton City program. Wins and losses, I don't feel like really, really measures our success as far as how the program was able to uh, overcome a lot of the adversity that we faced. I mean, I started off the season with 16 kids, lost a few along the way, unfortunately, um, picked up a few along the way, and we were able to hang our hat on a couple of wins. And we had a couple of close ball games there, too, uh, last season that didn't turn out in our favor. But the kids overall uh, learned a lot. Um, they were able to uh, take away the desire to compete, so I'm really happy for that. That's Peyton City head coach Robert Price. Again, you can find all of these interviews on the Light Rock 93R Facebook page, including Parkersburg South's Nathan Tanner, who was on this program last week, and upcoming interviews with coaches that will feature on the program next week. Stay connected with us on Facebook. Like our page, the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. While you're there, feel free to share your comments or questions. Eric will get to those on a future edition of the show. Let's go between the hash marks and take a look at a perennial feature on this show. Five stories lines to watch in 2022. We always come out of the year thinking that at the end of one year, there'll be storylines that you watch going into the next year. And then at the beginning of that year, things change. A greater plot begins to develop and you figure out where things exist in the overall landscape of high school football. So in some order, I try to put these in a semblance of order. Here are my top five storylines to watch in 2022. Number one, who survives out of the LKC death match? It seems like more and more the LKC is starting to look in West Virginia High School football like the SEC looks in college football. Where you've got some of the best teams in college football duking it out in the SEC, you've got some of the best teams in West Virginia small school football duking it out in the LKC. Of course, Ritchie County, the 
defending state champions. They've lost some from last year, but if they can survive some of the tougher games on that schedule, they've got a shot to get back to the state playoffs this year. And with Ethan Haught, a quarterback, a four-year starter, the leadership will be there if they can develop the offensive line and the threats around him. St. Mary's is loaded once again. Six wins last year for a team that just missed the state playoffs. They returned Luke Powell at quarterback, and as you heard Jody Moat say, a lot of offensive weapons. Williamstown fell short last year in the state championship game. They're ticked off, they're highly motivated, and they return a quarterback and a running back. Always a lethal combo. Doddridge County got a big transfer in Trenton Huffman. They're ready to make another run for a state championship. And how about Tyler Consolidated? Always a tough out, regardless of what they lost, regardless of who they have. Jaden Helmick, we mentioned him on the program earlier, a great athlete. Rather, Ryan Walton, his head coach, mentioned him. His son ties in the backfield to be that fullback type. They've got Sean Winfrey in the backfield. So a lot of talent and a lot of good athletes out there at Tyler Consolidated. So who survives out of that LKC? Maybe all of those teams get in the playoffs. They'll all be certainly good enough to do it, but where will the winnable games be? Because some of these teams play one another, so there are three games on their schedule for as many of them that they'll play against each other. That could hurt some of these teams. They'll have to take care of business in the non-LK games if they want to get into the playoffs. Speaking of Richie, can they develop enough threats around Ethan Hot? Bodie Utter is somebody that Rick Hot mentioned to me in the preseason preview series. He got some carries late in games last year, and he is one that you'd think has a good chance to carry the mail this year for Ritchie County. But receiving threats, how will they utilize a guy like Austin Bartlett who comes back? Is he a blocking back? Can they use him as a receiving threat? Can they run the ball with him a little bit? What will they do to develop threats around senior quarterback Ethan Hot? And will Hot feel too much of the pressure on his shoulders to create offense in the absence of Gus Morrison and some others? Storyline number three, the Matt Kimes era at PHS is underway. After a head coaching stint at Warren and assistant coaching stints at both PHS and Parkersburg South, Matt Kimes returns to coach the Big Reds. He's happy to be there. They're happy to have him there. But ultimately, that honeymoon period is going to wear off, as it always does with head coaches, especially at a place like PHS. So what are realistic expectations for the program? What does he accomplish? What can they accomplish in year one with players that were good last year and they built depth last year because they had some injury and COVID issues? So the cupboard's not bare at Parkersburg High School. David Parsons, a quarterback, had a lot of reps last year. We'll see what he's able to do. Austin Fleming got a lot of time last year. Expected to be a big contributor for the Big Reds. So the Matt Kimes era at PHS, how does that play out and what are the expectations? Let's go across town. How far can Parkersburg South go with Cyrus Traw? It's hard to believe this is Nate Tanner's fourth season at Parkersburg South. It really seems like it's been so long ago that this team went to the playoffs with him in season one under Brandon Penn. They went all the way to the state semifinals. A storybook season for South and a storybook season for Penn, who was a video game cheat code that year. I've used that phrase on this show multiple times. And then they fell on hard times in 2020. COVID did them no favors, and it really did the program and Tanner no favors either because it took away a lot of the things that he does to build camaraderie and teamwork, and it really took away a lot of the team activities that he likes to have. So that group struggled in 2020, rebounded last year to get back into the playoffs, and were able to build as a team and grow some camaraderie in the offseason. And they're a confident bunch, and they feel really good about themselves. So if they make it back to the playoffs, it would be the third time in four years for Tanner and the fourth time in five years for the program because in Mike Eddy's last season, they made it to the first round of the playoffs too. So a program that not a lot of people talk about as far as one that's building some momentum and steam in the region or in the state, but definitely a team that a lot of people are picking in the lower half of the top 10 in preseason polls. How far can they go? How much of that will be dictated by Cyrus Traw? I'd say a lot. Pun intended here, he's the Traw that stirs the drink, to borrow a phrase from the 86 Mets. He's somebody that is just otherworldly talented. He's got speed if he can stay healthy. He's got good hands. He's getting D1 looks with good reason. He's a great athlete. And if South 
mouth can get the production out of him and, and get him to stay healthy, that team can go a long way. But he's not the only guy there. How about Robert Shockey in his second year quarterback? He'll be a junior this year, started as a sophomore last year, and Shockey just much more comfortable in that offense. You expect much more out of him in year two. Number five, how does Williamstown get over the hump? And it's weird to say that about the Williamstown Yellow Jackets getting over any kind of a hump. They have won two state championships in the last quarter century. However, for Chris Beck in his third season there, they're coming off of a state championship loss, and there very much is still the feeling that there is a hump for them to clear. So how do they do that? What do they need to do to accomplish that? And are they able to get it done? So those are my top five storylines. Who survives the LKC? Can Ritchie County develop enough threats around Ethan Hot? The Matt Kimes there at PHS. What happens there? How far can Parkersburg South go this year with Cyrus Traw? How far does Traw go? And finally, how does Williamstown get over the hump and take that state championship they've been eyeing for some time now? Time now for our first visit of the year with Metro News correspondent Taryn Malone. He was a great addition to our show last year. We were proud to have him, and we're glad to have him back again this year. He was unable to be with us last week, but we got him back this week. Taryn? Eric, first of all, I'd like to thank you and the audience of this program for having me back as a statewide correspondent once again for the 2022 West Virginia High School football season. It's truly an honor and a privilege to work alongside you as we continue to feature high school football in the mid-Ohio Valley. Now, with that being said, this summer has gone by like a breeze. A couple weeks ago, I had the opportunity to cover the 76th annual Rudy Mumley OVAC All-Star football game between West Virginia and Ohio. Ohio struck first as Shadyside grad Wyatt Riemann scored on a one-yard touchdown tote. The Buckeyes would be on the board early at 7 to nothing. West Virginia would, however, find their footing as Weir grad Jacob Morgan knocked through a 24-yard field goal. West Virginia would still trail by a possession at 7-3. However, the Mountaineers would get the ball back and score yet again. It's 9-7 after 1. Second quarter now, and Madonna's Santino Arlia would connect with fellow Madonna grad Evan Queering in the end zone, and West Virginia would be back on the board. At the break, it's 15-7. Ohio would come out of the locker room with momentum on their side as the Buckeyes would score 26 unanswered points to claim the title, winning by the final score of 33-15. Here is Ohio head coach Mike McKenzie following the win over West Virginia. We were catching us off guard on a few things that we weren't ready for. They were really mixing up the fronts and bringing some blitzes on, um, you know, on their defense and then offensively. Uh, Coach Stickles and our defensive staff made a couple adjustments and some techniques. But credit to the kids for they were able to go into the, the adjustments that we made in the half. They came out and then executed them. Man, what a what a great great group of guys to be around. What fun! I also managed to speak with John Kelly, the head coach for West Virginia. This is what he had to say. 33 great new friends to these football players. Commend my staff for being here. Uh, you know, I thought we had things going in the first half. We turn, you know, you turn the ball over two times in the first four minutes. It doesn't look good. I thought we rebounded real well. But they, you know, I'm going to give them a great, great bit of it. They made some nice adjustments in the second half. Started doing some things we weren't ready for, and it showed. And uh, I, my kids gave great effort, but I mean, they were a little bit better than us. When you look back on the week, what are some of the biggest things you're going to remember? It? With you. Just getting to know these kids and laughing and doing, you know, and finding out what they're going to do in the future. I mean, this country's in good shape with young men like this. They're going to go on and do great things. And, you know, I just feel for them right now because they didn't win this. They wanted to win so bad. Uh, you know, it wasn't about our staff, it was about those kids. And uh, it's just a shame they didn't do it. But, I mean, you know, credit to Ohio. But, I mean, I, I will remember, the, remember this for this is a lifetime of something I'll remember forever. With all the excitement of the summer quickly coming to an end, the focus now is on performance and preseason camps taking place statewide. Here are a couple preseason notes heading into the 2022 high school football season. Number one, possibility for repeat champions. 
Do we see the same six programs at Wheeling Island Stadium heading into the chill of early December, or will we see someone else? Head coach Rick Hott and his staff at Ritchie County will be looking to rebuild their roster after graduation. Both the offensive and defensive lines will have a lot of new faces coming up this fall. Meanwhile, on the other side of the single-A bracket, Williamstown is looking for another shot at the title this season, with Maxwell Melissa leading the way as he provided 24 rushing TDs on the season a year ago, and he will look to improve his performance for the upcoming season. Secondly, Eric, I want to take a look at notable games this season, exciting and new games to keep an eye on as we are approaching the upcoming season. Beginning things off with week number three, Independence at Polka, the state runner-up program in Class AA taking on a Class AA a semi-finalist program from a year ago. That will be a key game in week number three. Moving forward to week number nine, Point Pleasant at Robert C. Bird. A new matchup in the Class AA playing field featuring two top 10 programs this upcoming season. That game is going to have a lot of dictation whenever it comes time for the playoff bracket. Finally, week number 10, Work County at Weirton Madonna. A new Class Single A game on the schedule this season featuring two programs that have made it to the playoffs in recent years. This game could help dictate the class single a bracket later on in the season that was a look at some preseason notes and a look back at the ovac all-star football game next week i will travel to ohio to cover the matchup between river and marietta in the university city of morgantown i'm taryn malone metro news sports eric back to you i thank you so much taryn glad to have you back with us this year the pleasure certainly is ours to get you back for another season first of all thank you taryn for the coverage of that ovac all-star game second taryn brings up a great point next Next week is game week in Ohio. Taryn will cover River and Marietta. That's a game next weekend. Frontier kicks it off with Bridgeport on Thursday night of next week. So some early season action if you're in the region and you're looking for some live football, maybe hit up one of those games. But we will have games to talk about on the program next week. Hard to believe as we sit here in early August that we're that close to the season. Before we go, I want to touch on a couple other things that came up in one of the preseason preview series interviews. Chris Beck, the Williamstown High School head coach, is roughly my age, and we were talking about some things that veered from Williamstown football on the preseason interview that we had. First of them, specialization. And this has been a hot-button issue. Kids that specialize in one sport and play that sport year-round from an early age. I know that there are some kids that only have interest in one sport. I was only a baseball player, for instance. I did play football my seventh grade year, but baseball was the only school sport I chose to play. Looking back on it, I wish I had taken up golf in high school and been on the golf team, but it was a choice I made. It wasn't something I did. But there are a lot of kids that specialize because they feel pigeonholed or their parents pigeonhole them into one sport. So here is Chris Beck from Williamstown High School on specialization. I just can't stress enough that I think it's a mistake to specialize. I think it's a critical mistake to specialize before eighth grade. Um, how do you know if you have a kid out there specializing in baseball? I'm not picking on baseball. I love baseball. I play right. baseball. So at eight years old, he's going to play baseball year-round. He knows that's his sport. Right. How do you know he's not going to grow spurt? Or how he's not going to develop something else or burn out? I didn't like asparagus when I was eight, but I do now. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, you, your preferences change as you age. And I, I think you got to give those kids those opportunities. And you got to let them have fun and try those things. Um, and be kids. And be kids. Uh, but, and I know there's probably folks out there who say, oh, he's wrong, this, that, or the other. And, and I got, I mean, playing year-round baseball, basketball, whatever it is at eight years old is not going to get you a scholarship at Tennessee when you're 18. It's not going to happen. Uh, but 
you know, that's just my two cents, folks. That's Williamstown High School head coach Chris Beck. The reason we started talking about specialization, well, one of the questions I asked him was about the fact that a lot of the names on his roster, guys that were coming out for football or had just come out for football or were moving up on the depth chart, were names that we'd heard from other sports. And we talked about how there are multiple two- and three-sport athletes on his roster. And that uh, as big at a small school level especially as Williamstown is, when your numbers are going to be in the upper 20s, low to mid-30s, maybe 40s on a good year, and you don't have a lot of enrollment to go around, you really need kids to play multiple sports, and parents need to buy into that idea. I know that there's temptation. You probably hear things from summer league coaches and AAU coaches, but ask your kid what they want to do. Make sure you balance out the kid's schedule, and I think Chris Beck makes some important points. Another big thing that we talked about, they do have some new facility improvements coming this year. Brand new set of bleachers at Williamstown High School. New press box to be built on top of those. That'll increase the seating capacity at Williamstown High School football games, but it'll also provide a safer set of bleachers because the old ones were condemned at the end of last year. They were not very safe. They weren't the most comfortable set of bleachers either. So a big improvement for that team. We talked about the further improvements that will come after the Wood County Schools facilities levy was passed last year that will provide some new schools in the district and new athletic improvements for PHS South and Williamstown High School. I'm excited for it. The community's excited for it. It's long overdue. Uh, I applaud the Board of Education for taking action on that. I applaud the voters of Wood County for passing a levy. So for us, we have new bleachers this year and new turf next year. Mm-hmm. Um, so between what we've been able to accomplish as we, uh, the community, the board, the taxpayers, Crosswood County, investing in our young people, um, we've got this new building that me and you're sitting in right now that was built by the community. We got the bleachers the BOE has stepped up for, and we're gonna have a field that the taxpayers stepped up for. And, and I think it's awesome. And um, I just can't, as strongly as I believe you should play one sport, I'm just as strong that we want kids to play sports. We want to invest in our kids to play right. sports. Uh, most studies you show, show like, well, I was reading one the other day, Fortune 500 companies, 95% of those kids played high school sports. They're, they're the CEOs. It teaches the leadership. CEOs. Uh, teach, they, they have higher grades. Uh, they're usually in school more. And I know sports aren't for everybody, but any extracurricular activity, it teaches you so much about life. Uh, and that's what we're here for, really. I mean, they're going to play football. It's a game. Though. At the end of the day, it's a game. But it gives you life skills and relationships. It's going to allow you to be successful as you go down the road, professionally, personally, whatever. Um, so I know... When times are tight, you can look. At, you could have looked at that bond that was barely passed um, and say, "Oh, we don't need new facilities." Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. You're making an investment yeah. in your community and in your kids. Invest in young people. Invest in young people because at the end of the day, most of those people, if you give them the life skills to be successful and go to college being successful, if you look at the workforce, mm-hmm. like look at the people you work with, how many grew up in this area? A majority. A lot of them, yeah. Uh, I forget what the exact number was I had looked up, but like 70, 75% of people return to their home area to work. So that workforce is coming back to you, and those people are coming back to you. As long as they see you know, where they're from, it's still a good thing, and they're investing in folks. Uh, I never, when people are looking for new schools or jobs, one of the first things they ask about is schools and athletic facilities. They want their kids to go to good schools. They want to be in good athletic facilities. So, um, 
Well, I th- we got to invest in those things, and uh, I was just tickled to death that that bond passed, and there's athletic facility improvements going on across the county. There's new schools going up in Parkersburg and Vienna, and, and I'm excited for those communities as well, and uh, I just think it's great for our young people. Again, that's Williamstown head coach Chris Beck. We were talking about the facility improvements, and those came through an action of the Board of Education, the new bleachers, but the bond levy that passed will bring turf to Williamstown High School, so some improvements on the way for the Yellow Jack. And I know when it comes to politics, coaches and really leaders in any extracurricular school activity are in a tough spot. It doesn't really befit them to talk about their own personal politics because I'm sure that in this day and age, there are probably some people on each side of the aisle that would not want their child to participate in an activity if they knew the leader was from the vast opposite side of the aisle. Maybe it does happen, maybe it doesn't, but it certainly would influence at least some thinking about that leader. However, school levies... I've always thought were really a unique item in that space because it very much befits those with school administration and, and those leading those activities to vouch for those and, and, and to rally for those. And you really saw a lot of teachers, coaches, administrators on social media when that Wood County Schools levy was on the ballot, pushing hard for that, using their social media channels to get the word out. Maybe they got people out to vote. Again, as Coach Beck said, that levy passed very narrowly. And maybe that or some of that helped push that levy over the finish line and helped dispel some of the myths and rumors about the situation. But I played that not to get political. I played that because Chris Beck's exactly right about everything that he said about specialization and about investing in kids. I agreed with 100% of what he said. First, you got to let kids be kids and let them play what they play. And I'm not trying to knock other activities in the year-round activities. There are some great leaders in those, too. And there are some benefits. You do get better as a player. However, I think as a parent, you've got to step in and measure your child's access to certain things year-round. Chocolate cake is good, but no good is going to come if you eat chocolate cake all the time for every meal every day. You're going to get very sick very fast. I think you've got to try to let your kid exercise that athleticism in other ways. Maybe find a different sport if you're a basketball player and you know maybe let them run track, you know, and, and see if that's not an itch that your child wants to scratch. They can stay in shape and they can learn to be a part of a team in a different way and maybe meet some new friends. I know there's a big correlation between football and wrestling, football and basketball. Baseball's one that shares a lot of people with football too. Either way, those opportunities to play different sports, take advantage of them. Learn some new life skills. Have the fun that you can only have in high school by playing those sports and through participation. But the other point he makes about investing in kids, no one wants to pay more in taxes than they pay as it is. That's not money that we gleefully spend. However, when a levy comes on the ballot, I personally think that you need to look at it for what it is. I know that you often see fire levies and library levies passed and emergency services levies. Those are levies that provide valuable services to your communities and things that may one day save your life in the most literal sense. School levies are often passed to either fund critical components of your school or fund extra components of your school. What are you getting? What kind of bang for the buck are you getting out of that? Are you getting a new building? Are you allowed Allowing very critical programs that currently exist that aren't being funded, are you allowing those to continue and thrive? Or in this case, are you providing facilities that will be around for several years? And are you making an investment in the youth of your area and providing them a place to play and basically providing a venue for your community to use for big events, graduations, Relay for Life, all kinds of things like that. St. Mary's had a Davison Brothers concert at their stadium this year. So you can do literally anything once you have these facilities. You can find ways 
ways to monetize them. You can have community events and fundraisers there. Those ideally are facilities for community use. It's nice to have them for five or six home football games a season and the playoffs, but it's nicer still that your kids have a place to go practice that's safe, a place that you can have a big community event when you need it. So you're investing in your community, but you're investing in your kids when you pass levies like what Wood County passed this year. That's our time this week. I want to thank Taryn Malone, our Metro News correspondent, for joining us once again and welcome him back for the second year of doing so. We heard from coaches Jody Moda St. Mary's, Ryan Walton of Tyler Consolidated, Rick Hahn of Ritchie County, Robert Price of Payton City, and Chris Beck of Williamstown. You'll hear from other coaches next week. Dave Chapman of Magnolia, Jason Schaub at Marietta, Russ Morris of Frontier, Matt Kimes at Parkersburg High School, and hopefully Mike Flannery at River High School. You can download new episodes every Wednesday on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe, rate us, review us, all that good stuff. Next week, we've got uh, those preseason preview series interviews, the last ones in that set, and we'll take a look ahead at Week 1 games in Ohio. We've already talked about River and Marietta. That's a neat matchup in Week 1, and I meant to ask Jason Cho about that, and I forgot. Didn't I get the chance to do that? But we did talk about his schedule. And then you got Frontier at Bridgeport on Thursday night, so you're going to want to listen to next week's show quickly and get set for those Ohio games. And then, of course, we'll finish up the preseason as well and get you set for Week 1 in two weeks in West Virginia. Hard to believe. Real games in Ohio next week and in West Virginia two weeks from this weekend. It's right here. It's around the corner. You can feel it. You can sense it. It's right there for you. Well, that's our time this week again. My name's Eric Little. Thank you for joining us on the show this week. And until next week, have a great week, everybody. This has been the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Don't forget to like us on Facebook. Come back next week for another new episode. And thanks for listening. Invest in young people. Invest in young people.